Hello, creeps. I'll be your ghost. I mean host. As we delve the crypts of spooky movies and even spookier theory. Welcome to Horror Vanguard. What does it mean that a love could be so forbidden that it, in and of itself, is erased from memory and bound to esoteric circles? A love forced into such darkness that the only way to see it is to carry your own share of that darkness. Clive Barker's Mr. Begone is the story of a demon. One of damnation. However, Mr. Begone is far from a scowling creature of cartoonish evil. He is in fact human. Well, not just human. And here I find myself quoting Rob Zombie again while thinking of love. Mr. Begone is more human than human. This demon rises above the pained qualities of the condition of all sentient beings through love. Mr. Begone rediscovers themselves through love. The demon uncovers deeper truths about reality through love and love alone. The most frightening aspect of this novella is not the litany of gruesome crimes that the demon Mr. Begone and his demoniacal ilk perpetrate. It's that love can and will drive us into the unknown. Love is and always has been the only force that can move the world. Love is horrifying because it creates the potential for the worst imaginable thing, that love can be forgotten. Love is the most unsettling not when it's lost, but when the memory of that loss finally leaves us. We live in a time of forgotten love. We share a moment defined by that level of sorrow and loss. The AIDS crisis was the willful slaughter of gay love, history, and memories. Hegemonic culture further blots out and rewrites the memory of queer love. Even deeper still, that targeted erasure is situated in a cultural or culture of alienation and objectification. That is the sworn adversary of love. We, like Mr. Begone, are forced to live and love in darkness in hope that we can share a firelight with a kindred soul. I leave you with a quote from Clive Barker's Mr. Begone. It's all gone now, gone forever. You killed every particle of joy that was in me, every scrap of hope and forgiveness, gone, all gone. Yet, here I am. Somewhere finding in me, the devil alone knows how, to reach out from these anguished pages in one last desperate attempt to try and touch your heart. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, that's, uh... Uh, just, just two things. Two things, re- really quickly. Two nice. things. Um, one, uh, that that was actually genuinely beautiful. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and two, how dare you? <laughs> how 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 dare you? How do you have the gall to just casually knock that off? In an in forty five minutes, whilst also contributing to a podcast conversation, <laughs> how how like where do you where do you get off? Yeah, that's the that's the question. That's the uh, um, how dare you? Where do you get off? And who do you think you are? That's the third one. That's the yes. I mean, I, I, ideally, I get off in the giant demon sword zone, but that's that's true. We have actually already clarified that through you clarified that while writing that 
I mean, I think a lot of people didn't like this because it cuts against the grain of what they expect from fictionality, which is a very modern mm-hmm. construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about how show not tell it as an as an oh, no. artistic uh, imperative is just just so limited. Because this is like the idea of like a book aiming to convince you that it is in some way mimetic of a kind of external reality is one thing but i actually think what's so good about this book is that it kind of turns all of that up on its head and goes actually like the the just the form of the book is is perhaps the most impressive kind of technology right it because it contains and presents uh and communicates uh, its own world within its pages i mean Gra- grant morrison talks about this in in relation to comic books as being a three-dimensional image space through which you can move by flipping the pages. But it's like, you don't necessarily need to be convinced that this story is like happening somewhere in approximating the real world, but you have to, what you, what you have to do is kind of accept the injunction of being interpolated in the Altazarian sense as a reader, right? You, you are literally addressed by the text which puts you into the position of having to be the one who decides whether you'll keep reading um and all the people who didn't like it i would be i'd be really surprised if all of them read it to the end uh because the book keeps telling you well if you don't like it just stop you don't have to keep doing this if you're not enjoy if you're not enjoying this just stop put the book down but the thing that bark is so good at is this Lacanian jouissance, right? And there is, like, uh, who is it? Roland Barthes writes about this in this the kind of jouissance of reading. Yeah. But it's like this is this is a this is a kind of sadomasochistic jouissance of reading, right? You're not you don't you don't like it. You don't like being addressed by this heinous evil character who talks about all of the delightfully violent ways he wants to penetrate your body. Uh, but you're, you're, there is an, something within you that goes beyond a simple, oh, I read for fun principle, uh, beyond the pleasure <laughs> principle, to, to compel you to keep on going. We hope you've enjoyed the Dread Discourse. Until next week, stay spooky.